0: Good morning, Church. Uh, hear the word of the Lord from Matthew one 18 to 18-25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the scripture reading for this morning. Thanks be to God.
1: Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. It is good. uh, And you give it to us so that we can know you. And so that we can know your plan for us and for the world. As we spend time this morning reflecting on this next story. uh, Surrounding the birth of your son Jesus. uh, As we look at the announcement that the angel gave to Joseph. Would you help us? Uh, to not just to be familiar with the story Lord but that allow this story uh, to to affect the way that we live as your people uh, and Jesus name we pray amen so last week we looked at Mary and the announcement that the angel brought to Mary about this baby that was going to be born and what we saw was that the news was both, uh, great new, uh, good news of great joy, that's what the angels will say to the shepherds, we'll look at that story next week, but that it was also a story that created crisis, uh, that that crisis was that here was this young woman who's going to find herself pregnant outside of marriage, and that that was going to raise all kinds of cultural problems for her, Uh, because of the society that she lived in. But that in that she steps into the crisis, and then through the crisis experiences renewal, and we see that renewal through the song that she sings in the second part of Luke chapter 1. Well, today we're going to see that Joseph is going through a very similar journey, but with Joseph we're actually going to focus on the issue of self-denial. What we see with Joseph is that Joseph receives news That is good news. He's got to hear it from the angel in order to see the goodness of it. Uh, But it does absolutely create a crisis for him. Uh, And the crisis has already started because he has found out that Mary is pregnant. uh, And he has a choice that he has to take uh, in order to be able to to trust whether he's going to follow God or not. So what we're going to see today is that righteous Joseph denies himself to follow his self-denying Savior and Son. Righteous Joseph denies himself in order to follow his self-denying Savior and Son. And so in the same way, we are called to a life of self-denial. So we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at Joseph's crisis. We're going to look at Joseph's child. And then we're going to look at Joseph's choice. And kids, uh, the question for you this week, uh, it's it's in the practice... Uh, not practicing the way it's in the prepare him room book uh it's on the in the in the kids bulletin it should be on the slide here in a second is this Uh, why is Emmanuel such a good name for Jesus we're going to talk about that in the second point this morning I'm going to give you two answers uh and then so Joseph's crisis Joseph's child Joseph's choice all right let's look at the crisis first uh, so what we're told about Joseph in verse 19 is that he is a godly man. Uh, we, we see this because verse 19 says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her public to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. This is really important. It's very important for us to understand Joseph's character. If you have a New American Standard or New English Standard, Uh, translation of the Bible, the phrase there is that he is uh, righteous. Joseph was a righteous man. If you have uh, the ESV translation of the Bible, you'll see that it says that Joseph was a just man. All of this is really important because you have to understand his character in order to understand what's about to happen. Also, I find it curious that the angel comes to Joseph in a dream. I can't help but wonder how many sleepless nights Joseph had uh, once he found out what was going on. And we're told that he he was trying to figure out the best way of handling the situation. We can imagine, can't we? Uh, We've all had times in our lives we have to make significant decisions, weighty decisions, life-altering decisions. And we have a hard night's sleep. Well, God visits Joseph in a sleepless night, we think. I think, and gives him a, a message. It's actually kind of an interesting little subplot in Matthew. Uh, God brings several messages through dreams in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, so Joseph and Mary are betrothed. So now you have to understand culturally what that means. It's, it's, they're not quite married, but it's more than when we think of engagement in our day and age. It was more than that. So it's somewhere in between our modern conception of engagement and an actual marriage. So uh, the only way to end a betrothal was through divorce. Uh, and in fact, had Joseph or Mary died during the period of being betrothed to one another, they would have been considered the widow or widower of the other person. So this is a significant commitment. This is a significant relationship and so really the only way for this to end and from joseph's perspective is divorce and here's the thing that we have to understand that was the righteous decision the the godly decision for joseph at this moment in time was divorce this was true culturally. So there are cultural forces at work driving Joseph towards divorce. Uh, Craig Keener is a New Testament scholar who's written uh, lots of stuff, uh, his commentary. Uh, on the book of Matthew I'm going to quote two things from him just because I want you to I want you to understand it from the perspective of someone who knows what they're talking about this is what he says he says Jewish Greek and Roman law all demanded that a man divorce his wife if she were guilty of adultery furthermore Mediterranean society uh, viewed With contempt, the weakness of a man who let his love for his wife outweigh his appropriate honor in repudiating her. So we have to understand the cultural forces at work driving Joseph to this decision of divorce along with the cultural forces at work, we also have uh, certain personal considerations that we have to take into account. The ramifications of this are significant, right? So they're betrothed. And so here's the reality. The reality is that this would then reflect Joseph's character. And by reflecting Joseph's character in in a more communal society, it would also affect the character of Joseph's Family. So there are social uh, things to be taken into account. Had Joseph married, the assumption would have been that this child was his child. Uh, but this is not his child. Uh, and so really the only option available for him in order to maintain his honor and the honor of his family is for him to pursue divorce and then there are the relational issues at work in this society and you think of you think of uh, in our day and age right when someone gets engaged there's been a period of dating there's been a period of getting to know one another there's been you know long conversations long into the night Probably very little of that happened for Joseph and Mary. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they actually didn't know each other that well. And you can imagine that if you're engaged to somebody and, and uh, you find out you know, uh, that, that uh, you know, uh, she's pregnant, and she says to you, oh, well, no, no, you don't understand. It's God's baby, right? You can imagine you'd be like, yeah, nice try, and that's really not any different for Joseph, right? That's just like, that's a, the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. Uh, again, Craig Keener says this. He says, under these circumstances, Joseph was righteous in divorcing Mary. To fail to do so would violate law and custom, would bring enduring reproach on his household, would constitute embracing as his wife one who had betrayed him in the worst manner conceivable in his culture. Given Jewish law and customs, Matthew's readers would expect Joseph to remarry. So you understand the crisis that Joseph is in because everything is driving him to the decision of divorce. Compassion is driving him to do it as discreetly as he possibly can. And then he has a dream. And in this dream, an angel comes and talks to him about this child, this child that Mary is going to have, uh, this child that the angel is saying needs to be Joseph's child. This is our second point. Uh, it says, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. It's kind of important. You have to remember that he's a son of David because uh, it, is, it is as Joseph adopts Jesus that Jesus is said to be a part of the house of David. That's how significant that Joseph adopts Jesus is. Uh, Jesus, we don't know what tribe Mary is from. Uh, scholars think that Mary was probably from the tribe of Levi, but that's a guess. Uh, and so if Joseph doesn't adopt David, uh, Jesus, Jesus is not from the tribe of David. Uh, Unless, again, Mary is from David, but we don't know if she is or not. Uh, So the angel comes and says something really important to Mary, or to Joseph. He says, listen, this child is kind of an important child. This child, his name is Jesus because he is going to save his people from their sin. And then Matthew, as he is reflecting on this, uh, brings in this prophecy from the book of Isaiah. Uh, We sang this morning, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Those, Those words are really like, it's what the angel is telling Joseph. Emmanuel means God with us. So this is the prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So this child that Joseph has been told about. The angel's coming in, and the angel's corroborating what we assume Mary would have told Joseph. uh, The angel's corroborating this information, but he's adding to it. So now Joseph is hearing from this angelic messenger, hey, you, like really, like this is not, Just any child. This child is your savior. This child is your Messiah. The Messiah that you as a godly Jewish man had been waiting for. This child is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Um, This child is the one who's going to come and make all things right. This child is the one that's going to come and show the depths of God's love bring an end to evil and suffering and redeem God's people from their sin. And so, see, the name Emmanuel is a good name for Jesus because it tells us two things. It tells us, first of all, that he is God and man. When it says God with us, what, what the New Testament authors do with that is that they say, listen, to understand Jesus properly, to understand this child and who he is properly, you have to understand that he is fully human and yet he is also fully divine. Uh, and that this is the mystery of what we call the incarnation. Uh, this, the incarnation is, is really the taking on of flesh that God does through the person of Jesus. Um, this revolutionized. Like, and so you understand, like, Joseph did not have categories for what the angel was saying to him. Like these things were unexpected. And you look back on the Old Testament and you can be like, okay, you can kind of see, you know, uh, hindsight is twenty-twenty. they say, right? So you, you can look back and be like, okay, I can see how we got here, but, but these things were being unveiled in real time. We have the, history, we have the benefit of 2,000 years of reflection on these passages. So the name Emmanuel is a good name because it tells us that, that uh, Jesus is both God and man. Paul reflects on this. I'm going to take a sip here. The apostle Paul reflects on this in his letter to the church uh, in Philippi. In Philippians 2, he says this. He says, Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's important to understand that the word being found in appearance as a man doesn't mean that Jesus was pretending to be a man. But it means that Jesus became a man. He became a human being. And so we see that not only is Emmanuel a good name for Jesus because it means that it's showing us that he is God and man. Emmanuel is also a good name for Jesus because it shows us the depths of his love. Because why did he come? Paul's reflection for us is that he came in order to become obedient to the point of death. That Jesus denied himself. Jesus is a self-denying savior. He did not consider it to his own advantage to keep his equality with God. He becomes a servant and becomes a servant to the point of dying on a cross. So, you see, this is why Emmanuel is a good name. And this is what the angel is telling Joseph. So, the angel is telling Joseph, don't do what you are about to do. Marry this woman, Mary, Mary. Um, adopt this child, have him be your own, because God is going to do great things. You see the weight of the crisis now for Joseph? Do I, do I honor my family? Do I follow the cultural customs? Do I do what everybody is expecting of me? Or do I follow a dream, a vision? What do I do? So what is, what is in fact Joseph's choice? Uh, where It says when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph accepts the cost of entering into this marriage. Joseph denies, and actually the self-denial here is actually really when you, when you, when you dig into it, it's actually really... Amazing and powerful. Uh, he, is, he is adopting a child. He is taking on as a child one that would ultimately be his Lord. To so think of like just like, you know, usually when a father gives birth to a child, the father's expecting that, that they're going to be the authoritative person. But, but in this particular situation, Joseph is entering into a relationship where this child is going to be the one in authority over his life. And that this is what Jesus demands of those who would follow him. In Matthew, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So Joseph does what the angel calls him to do. But but here's what's really fascinating. We actually are given another clue in two places in the rest of the other gospel accounts uh, how seriously Joseph took these words, so you can imagine right you 'll just you know, put yourself in joseph 's shoes right you, you know the, the, it would be it would be feasible for there for us to consider that maybe there would be this lingering thought in the back of joseph 's mind what if what if that was a crazy dream that I had uh, you can imagine can 't you right that that there would be some possible resentment, and that Joseph would, you know, yeah, sure, I'll adopt him, but that there would be this arm's length relationship that he would have towards Jesus. I don't think that's what happened. Uh, Because we read in Luke 4 and in John 6 this, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from Jesus's lips, asking, isn't this Joseph's son? Same thing in John chapter 6. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I come down from heaven? I take this to mean that there was an intimate relationship. I take this to mean that actually Joseph really did do exactly what the angel asked of Joseph. Righteous Joseph denies himself. He enters into a crisis, and his response to the crisis is to say, Jesus, God, I'm going to follow you in the road of self-denial because his Savior is a self-denying Savior. Now, did he have all of that mapped out in his head when he died? No, he didn't have all that mapped out in his head. But we, with the benefit of reflection, can look back and say, wow, isn't this amazing? the kind of response that Joseph has. And we are called, church, we are called to the same thing. We are called in any stage of life that we find ourselves in, but certainly in moments of crisis, we are called to have a posture of self-denial. So here we are, right? And, and also, like, this is, if you stop and reflect a little bit into the nature of how we celebrate Christmas, that—that that is, there are, uh, uh, uh Aspects of that in our celebration, right? What is when you think of Christmas? What is one of the things you you immediately think of? Gifts, right? Uh, and, and so, giving a gift is an act of self-denial in a certain respect, right? It's a it's a gift of generosity, but it's a gift where you say like, I'm 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 taking resources of mine, right? Whether they're they're time resources because I'm making a gift, or they're financial resources because I'm. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm buying you something. I'm denying something of myself in order to bless you with a gift. So, so it's even inherent in the way that we celebrate Christmas, but what Jesus is calling to us is a life of self-denial. Now, notice in the passage, right, there's two things that we're told, and it'd be really easy to gloss over them, uh, but, but we immediately see two ways in which Joseph steps into this life of self-denial. We are told, first of all, that he did not consummate his marriage with Mary until after Jesus was born. Again, that was an act of self-denial because the expectation would have been that they would have consummated the marriage. And then the second thing that we see is that he names this child Jesus. It was his right as a father to name that child whatever it is that he wanted to name that child. And yet... In an act of self-denial, he does what the angel calls him to do. Uh, And so the question for us to consider is in what ways is Jesus calling us to a life of self-denial? In what ways is Jesus calling us to say, hey, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be somebody who, who, uh, who knows me and lives like me and does the kinds of things that I did, then you have to understand that at the heart of who I am is that I denied myself. I did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but I made myself a servant in order to be born as a child and die as your savior. Will you follow me in that? And so that's the question before. So how do we pursue a life of self-denial? Well, Joseph gives us some guidance in this, Right? We, we pursue a life of self-denial sexually in that we, we hold to the historic teaching of Christianity that sex is beautiful, it's good, it should be enjoyed and celebrated within the context of marriage between one man and and one woman. We, we, uh, we, we, in relationships, right, we live a life of self-denial. You can imagine, we, can, we don't know this, but we can imagine, can't we, from what we've seen of Joseph, the way he would have stepped into this marriage, he and Mary go on to have other children. We don't know why he disappears from the second half of the gospel accounts. But what we do know is that from every instance we can see is that there was a a relationship that he and Mary and that Joseph had with Jesus. Uh, Jesus calls us to a life of self-denial in our witness. Joseph says, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow my God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to step into this, even though it will bring question into my character, even though it will cause questions into how, uh, how I live my life. In the same way for many of us, right, the act of self-denial is our witness, right, when we talk about our faith and we live a certain way that it will raise questions for the people that we work with, for the people in our neighborhood. Uh, and, and so there is a sense in which there is this posture of self-denial that we take when we do that kind of thing. Jesus calls us to a life of self-denial, with our money, right? The, the, very, the very act of, of generosity, of sacrificial giving is a self-denial because let's face it, right? If you, if you take seriously God's command and instruction and expectation to be generous towards the church, to be generous to other organizations, if you tithe, you look at the end of the year and you're like, man, I could have done something with that much money, Right? If you tithe, if you give regularly, you look at that at the end of the year, and, and let's be honest, like that, the thought crosses your mind. And yet it is an act of self-denial to do that. The act of self-denial with our time. We, we can go on and on and on, can't we? But this is the life of following Jesus. And so church, right? What does that look like for us as we go into 2024? That, that in the same way that crisis uh, has brought renewal, that we can also expect that crisis is calling us to self-denial. Now, what does that self-denial look like? I don't don't know. I don't know. because, Because probably for each of us, it will look different in different ways individually. But as a church, it is a posture that says that, hey, we're entering into 2024 with open hands. We're entering into 2024 with open hands and saying, Lord Jesus, we don't know what you have for us. We don't know where you're going to send us. We don't know what you're going to provide for us. But, but if you call us to greater sacrifice, we will follow you. We will walk with you because of what you have done for us. Because you are a self-denying Savior, we will be a self-denying people. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for the story of Joseph. We thank you for his posture of self-denial that allowed him to step into the reality of being uh, Jesus's adoptive father, and that because he took this posture, that Jesus was born of the tribe of David and could be our king and our savior. Lord God, would you please help us uh, to, uh, to follow Not just Joseph's example, but to follow your example, Lord Jesus. You died on the cross for us. You died in order that we might uh, be restored to us. You, God, Emmanuel, God with us so that we could be with you. And we praise you for that. Amen.